Welcome to episode 69 of the Process Podcast. Embrace change. Thank you for being here with me today. Appreciate you for coming. Welcome to episode 69 of the Process Podcast. Today we have Miss Didi Williams joining us on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Didi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for joining us. Could you tell the listeners where you're from? I am from Indianapolis, Indiana, Midwest. <laughs> nap town. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, cold nap town right cold now. Cold nap town. Yeah. <laughs> I, I lived in Indiana for a while. I went to Purdue University. Uh, okay. So I, I spent a couple couple days in Indy. Uh, what was it like growing up in Indy? <laughs> um, I mean, it was good. I mean, I guess it's, I'm kind of biased because I really didn't. I mean, I moved around due to sports and things like that, but I, you know, was here all the time. So, I mean, for me, it was it was typical. It was normal. Um, I loved it. I feel like India is like a great place to grow up because it's not too fast paced. It's not too slow. Um, and you just kind of kind of get this kind of just like the the happy medium of, for everything. So. Um, obviously, we're you know a basketball state, so that was definitely the forefront of my life. Um, so yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Is ba- basketball heavy up there? When did, when did you start playing basketball? Oh man, um, it's funny because I have five sisters um, and three brothers, and um, they all play basketball or like they all play sports. And I was the only one who didn't want to play sports. Um, and so they used me um, one day for what they call for basketball as a dummy defensive player. And um, I think I might've been around maybe four or five, maybe six, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, they used me as a dummy defensive player in one of the practices and um, I just, it kind of came natural to me. And so ever since then, I just kind of played and, you know, it got me a scholarship to school and I got to, you know, kind of continue after school by playing overseas. And it's actually just been a really good um, um, activity for my life. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of started young, but still just, it just wasn't what I thought I would be doing, honestly. Take it back a little bit. What was it like growing up in the house? You say you had eight siblings? 
Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so we are a blended family, um, but of course, you know, we all look at each other as blood. Um, my mom has two of her own and she married into five kids. Um, and then I have a brother on my dad's side um, as well. So he was obviously was not in the home with us, but I, you know, he is my brother. Um, but yeah, so typically for the most part, we did have about seven kids in one house uh, for the most part. Two of my sisters, they were with us every other weekend because they were actually staying with their mom, um, but would obviously come with us, you know, to visit their dad um, every other weekend and some days throughout the week. Um, so the house was crazy um, all the time. <laughs> and, you know, it was a huge change. You went from two to... Um, to seven. <laughs> and I mean, again, we were young. Um, so it wasn't, you know, a huge, huge change. I think my parents have now been married for about 18 years, I want to say. Um, so they married and, you know, when we were a lot younger. Um, so we just, you know, it's really all, you know, we're all family. Um, and it was fun. Definitely fun. When the eggs, you know, growing up, uh, was you said you started playing basketball with your siblings? Was this something that you pursued throughout school? Like I said, I didn't even know that I wanted to play basketball. I just kind of started it, um, and was just it just kind of came natural to me. I was always long, I was tall, um, and the game just again just came natural. So you know, getting through high school, um, I was lucky to be on a, a an amazing team. We actually all started together kind of almost in elementary slash middle school. And um, once we all got to high school and we played AAU together as well. And once we got to high school, um, we, it was just an amazing uh, journey. Uh, we were, I was on a team that won, I believe it was 85 games in a row and um, zero losses. Um, I think it was my sophomore year that we lost in the second round um, or regionals, I think, going into the state game. And um, we were just a really good group of girls, came together, said that we didn't want to lose another game. Um, and so the next two years, my junior and senior year of high school, I did not lose a, a high school game. Um, won back-to-back -back state championships. Um, and tied for a national championship. We weren't able to travel far, so um, we couldn't play the other team that we tied with. There was a team out in California. I want to say the name is Macho Day. But yeah, and then after that, um, got a full-ride scholarship to play at Purdue University. Um, played there all four years. Um, won back-to-back -back Big Ten championships while I was there. Um, and then I played overseas uh, for about a year and a half before I was cut my second season. Um, so yeah, basketball has been a, a definitely a huge journey. And then like you were just kind of saying, being a student on top of that is, is completely, it's hard, it's different. It's, you know, something that I feel like people in a sense, take lightly, just because, when, especially when you're on a big stage such as the Big Ten, they're all about sports, 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 sports. And you have to really hone in and focus on your academics and um, make sure that you're, you know, staying on top of your classwork, staying on top of your game because you are traveling within the season. Mm -hmm. um, but they also do a great job of making sure that you stay on top of your classes as well.
Oh, I didn't know you were a Boilermaker also. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so how was your transition, you know, coming from Indianapolis, which is a, is considered, you know, a bigger city, to mm -hmm. West Lafayette, Indiana? How was that transition? Um, especially academically, you know, you're on your Yeah. Own. How was that? Um, it was, it was actually not, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'll say that. Mm. Um, at Ben Davis, it's, uh, Ben Davis is a pretty big school. Thankfully, they bring in a lot of money because we do have usually typically a great athletic, we have great athletic teams coming from Purdue. So we bring in a lot of revenue, which in turn, you know, we're able to keep the school nice. We're able to have, you know, great teachers, good books, all that type of stuff. So I think the way that they did things at Purdue, I'm sorry, Evan Davis got us very prepared for how it was going to be at Purdue. Um, and so that transition was definitely a lot easier than I think it could could have been for, you know, some people. And again, you still have your 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 pros and cons of certain things. And when you get to college, because you have so much more freedom in a sense, and you don't have somebody, you know, always on your back, or you're not in the household with your parents anymore. So it, you you have to have that self accountability and making sure that you're, you know, doing your work instead of watching Netflix all day or you know going to that party or hanging out with your friends because you again you you have your coaches you have your academic advisors who you know try to keep you on top of things but they're again not with you in the home and so I think the values and you know the things that were taught to me while I was in high school definitely carried over and helped me when it came to college um, especially with staying on top of my schoolwork at Purdue so yeah while at Purdue, what would you say was a major hurdle you had to overcome? Definitely, I'm a homebody. Um, so that was even one reason why I stayed so close to home. I was always, I was, I would say the sheltered kid out of all my sisters and brothers, because again, I was just always around my parents because I was on road trips to AAU tournaments. I was, you know, um, moving here, moving there, moving there. While, you know, I feel like my sisters and brothers were more or less, not to say because they were on trips as well, um, but they had a little bit more freedom when I was gone with my parents, they would be at home. And so I think that was the biggest thing for me was just really going to college and not having my parents there while having to deal with workouts every day. Um, I remember my freshman year, I think the first week of workouts, I think I slept. We would have workouts early, early in the morning, go to class. And then I think I would get home by about four o'clock in the afternoon and literally slept the whole, the rest of the day <laughs> up until we had to get up that next day for like, you know, our 6 a.m. workouts again. Mm -hmm. And that happened for like at least a good two, two and a half weeks before my body finally adjusted. So I guess I wouldn't necessarily say it was a hurdle. It was just something that I just wasn't used to. And it took a while to get used to it because like I said, when you don't have those people who are typically there to tell you what to do and you have to do these things on your own, can definitely be a different beast if you're um, not, I guess, equipped or ready for it. What about um, as an athlete, how was that transition athletically? Um, athletically, I would say it was actually quite easy only because our high school coach, Stan Binge, really prepared us for college. Um, he was not easy on us. Um, and while, again, while going through it, you don't always understand it. Looking back on it, you say, wow, 
I really appreciate him for that because now in college, I'm not struggling as much. I'm not, you know, as out of breath as I would typically be if he didn't push us how he pushed us. And he, he knew that we had a great team and could be great. And he never let up, never let up, no matter how much we cried or, you know, felt like it was just too tough. He never let up on us. And I really thank him um, to this day. And of course, uh, we're obviously still in contact. He's actually back at Benavis as the head coach over there. And I was just recently coaching at the middle school, Chapel Hill Middle School, which is Ben Davis's, you know, middle school. And so we were actually, you know, we've been in contact and I think so athletically, I feel like he really, really prepared us. And obviously my AAU coach, James Banks, he prepared us as well for all of, I think, the college um, things that would come toward us and for that college life athletically. So while it's, again, still had its challenges, I just think we were better prepared for when that time came. So once you graduated from Purdue, uh, you said you went and played uh, overseas. Was, yes. that, was that always a dream of yours to, you know, one day play professionally? Um, yes. So again, uh, I would have loved to have been able to play in the WNBA just because, again, I'm a homebody, so I would prefer to have been in the States. Mm -hmm. um, but that always, you know, that doesn't happen always. Um, and so I was definitely thankful to be able to at least, you know, go experience that um, overseas and with, you know, another culture. And it's definitely different. It's, you know, I went over to Asia the first time, Mongolia. Um, and then I went over to Finland the second time, both unfortunately cold places. But in Mongolia, um, I think that was the first year that they had the women's game. They always had the men, but I think it was the first year for the women. Thankfully, um, the team that I was on, we ended up winning the whole thing. So we actually got the first championship while <laughs> over there. So that was actually a blessing. And again, not something that everybody gets to experience, regardless what level of play it is overseas. So yeah, I mean, to be able to continue the game and, you know, still win championships while outside of the States, I think it's just, you know, just another experience and something that I can add to my story mm -hmm. um, and that I'm very grateful for because, again, not everybody gets to experience things like that. You mentioned that you were a homebody. You know, yes. How did that transition move so far <laughs> away from home? Oh, it was tough. I, like I said, you know, you go over there and, you know, you may have a good handful of other Americans because typically they only allow maybe two, three um, again, depending on the league, Americans on a team. And so there was just a handful of us overseas. And um, I was always the one complaining about, I'm so ready to go home. I miss my mom. I miss my family. I miss this. I miss that. And I know they probably got tired of me saying it, but they also understood it. Because again, it's not easy just being away from your fam family. And that was, again, my first year. And some of them had already been playing overseas for a certain number of years. But, you know, again, with having those Americans there, they we try to make it homey. We try to stick together and, um, you know, do things, you know, together so that we don't feel like we're so far away from home. And... It was tough. I can't even lie. It was tough. And I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of stopped. Um, like I said, I was cut my second season. And then I ended up coming home and I got pregnant, which I feel like I still could have went back and played. 
but it just it just wasn't I just didn't think it was for me I didn't like being so far away I obviously now had a kid and I didn't want to leave him so yeah I'm I'm just I'm happy <laughs> with yeah. the experience that I did get but yeah I, I it's hard for me being away from my my comfort zone oh yeah oh yeah but I want to ask dig a little deeper into that you know mm-hmm. walking away from the game you know because I play football and just you do something for so long it becomes a part of your identity how does it feel to to have to walk away from the game as a player oh man it's it's tough because again going through life with sports so I won't just say basketball because it's sports period being at the forefront of your life um, and that's one thing I really wish I would have focused more on going through my process um, but again we live and we learn and that's actually one thing I have a a business right now called Coach Bay mm-hmm. and the Bay stands for building athletes every day and that's kind of one thing I want to incorporate with that um, is I want to kind of get out and talk to student athletes about really focusing on what you want to do with your life after basketball because as an adult who had to figure it out on the go it's been tough it's been a, you know stressful because you have life coming at you now and life doesn't stop just because you don't know what you want to do after basketball you know I had a kid um, and thankfully I have parents who you know, allow me to come back home and live with them for a while or, you know, allow me to kind of be in their space until I am able to figure it out. But it's not easy. It's not easy at all. I wish I would have focused more on that, focused on what does Didi, who is Didi outside of basketball? What does that look like? What do you want? If basketball was not, if basketball ended in this day, in this moment, what would you do next? And so that's something that I kind of wish I would have focused focused on more because, like I said, trying to finagle that uh, with life coming at you, issues coming at you, certain opportunities coming at you, and you're not knowing what to choose, what not to choose. Um, that's it can be really tough. And if you're not, um, if you don't have that support system, or if you're just not built, you know, to handle something like that, it can go one way or the other. It can go really, really good, and you can make those decisions and be fine. Or it can go really, really bad and you can, you know, fall into a depression or fall into a uh, situation that may not be the best for you. I totally agree. Um, we had a guy by the name of Taj Boyd on the podcast and he he talked about it, too. You know, you mm-hmm. you become just a number almost because you, you chase, yeah. you know, how high you can jump, how fast you can go. What's your jersey right. number, your stats? And two, now it's just the person without that, without those metrics. Who are you? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so that that's powerful. And, and so you said that you got the inspiration from your own experiences to start coaching bait. And so I assume now you're a coach. Yes, yes, yes. And, and so I wanted to ask, you know, what uh, messages do you impart on your players that you, you know, wish you would have learned while you were a player? Just that, that one thing that we literally just talked about is really figuring out what it is you want, who you are outside of this basketball, outside of you wearing this jersey. Who are you? What do you want to do? Uh, What are you good at? You know, things of that nature. Because even when people ask me to this day, I still have trouble figuring out who I am outside of the game. Um, I mean, like I said, I obviously do coach now. Um, and I also personal train, but again, those are both athletic related. 
personal training comes easy to me because I've always been around athletics. I just, it just kind of comes natural. But I'm really wanting to figure out outside of sports, outside of fitness, what is it that I truly, truly enjoy doing? Um, and I really think that is mentoring, inspiring people, you know, sharing my story because you never know who it can help. And yeah, um, I just, I, I, that is that is the main thing I try to get across to my athletes. And I just was, I was coaching at South Carolina State last year. Um, this year I was at Chapel Hill 7th grade um, middle school. Mm-hmm. And it's a complete different dynamic you have on one end basically grown young ladies who sometimes you know think they they know it all or think they have it figured out and it's kind of hard to instill those values in them because they kind of already have had so many people tell them what they should and shouldn't do Mm -hmm. Um, so all you can kind of do is say it repeat it as many times as you can and hopefully they they take something from it now with the seventh and eighth graders it's a little bit easier to kind of help shape them because they're still they still have that young mind most are still willing to actually listen to you and learn especially when they know you've been through it and so I just kind of try to teach them different lessons when it comes to being late to practice you can't be late in real life if you're late in real life to a job you may lose that job thankfully because you're in high school or in middle school you know typically you won't get cut from a team unless it's like a a serious issue as to why you're just late or not showing up to practice but in life you can't show up to work 15 minutes late 20 minutes late every day and think you're still going to have a job so that's just kind of the way I try to get them to think um, when it comes to certain things that they're doing with basketball or certain things you know I try to relate everything that they do from basketball to real life because I think it all eventually intertwines so yeah I just try to teach as much as I can because while I think I was taught those things um, they didn't resonate with me until I became an adult Mm -hmm. and if I can try to get it to resonate with these girls or young ladies while they're still um, teachable or still in the you know mind frame of a, a child in a sense I'll always do my best to try to try to do that definitely this podcast is about, you know, learning from your life experiences and mm-hmm. also giving advice to those who may be going through similar circumstances. But I want to know, you know, looking back over your life thus far, it doesn't have to be a specific point in your life, mm-hmm. but just looking back over your life, you know, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, man, <laughs> I think I would give my younger self a lot of advice. I think the biggest thing, and I think you kind of put it in the email that you first sent out, about doing the podcast is just to truly, truly hone in and trust the process. Um, Never compare your situation to somebody else's. And with the way that social media is, the way that the world is, it's so easy to do. It's so easy to just get on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever um, platform and to see somebody else doing the same thing that you're doing, but at a different level. And it's like, you cannot, you cannot, cannot do that to yourself. You will stress yourself out, figure, trying to figure out, well, why is this happening for them? And it's not happening for me. When in reality, it just may not be your time yet. Or there's still maybe things that you have to learn before you can get to that point. And so I think that would be something that I would definitely tell my younger self is just trust the process and believe in the process um, and know that you have your own 
lane and you know you may have a plan you may have think you may think you have it figured all out or figured out um everything but at the end of the day in my opinion god has the final say so and he ultimately has it all written out and so again you can have in your mind whatever whatever you want to do have the steps down all of that that's amazing um but know that there is a process to it and you're not the only one who is um implementing that process um so while you may think it should go one way god may have a plan for you a totally different way and in most cases it's always in a greater way and then i think another thing is just to attack challenges i think i'm somebody who had to learn that and is still learning that to this day um, I'm a very emotional person, so I, sometimes I allow my emotions to kind of take over everything. And so even just this past week, I was kind of going through it and um, I prided myself in continuing my workouts. Typically, I'll take some time to myself, but I'll also stop my workouts. But it's like, why stop your workouts when that's something that helps you get through these things? It helps you get through these challenges. And so I prided myself on continuing my process and working out, getting up every morning like I typically do, going to work out, getting that workout in just to help me feel better, help me not just lay around and, you know, be in my emotions or be in my feelings. And that's not something that I did before. I would typically allow my emotions to get the best of me and, you know, wallow in my emotions and just kind of, you know, go through the motions every day. And it's like, no, again, life does not stop because Didi is sad or Didi is emotional or Didi is going through something. Those are just a few of the things I would definitely tell my younger self and just kind of want people to, um, um, just kind of think about as they're going through going through life. Yeah, yeah. I usually my follow-up question is always, you know, what does trust the process mean to you? But you know, you answered that question. But I want to ask, just mm-hmm. hearing just hearing your story, what does it mean to give yourself room to grow? You know what I mean? Because I, I, I feel yeah. like sometimes, like you said, it, it's, it's like all or nothing. Like I'm all mm-hmm. in, or I'm all not. But sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to be redirected. Um, and what does it mean to you to just allow yourself room to grow? Wow. Um, these are actually really, really great questions because, again, even as a 28-year-old woman, I'm still learning these things. I'm still literally living these things. And so for like the last three months, I think I've been seeing 11-11 day and night. And I would post it on Instagram or I would say things to my friends and, you know, they will all say, well, look into it, see what it is, see what's, you know, what's what's going on with it. And, you know, there's certain ways that people look at things. And I try to look at it as my best friend that has coming back and just trying to send a message to me. Mm-hmm. And there's been this sense of change that I feel is trying to happen. I can't really explain it in a sense. And so with that question, I feel like allowing yourself to, or giving yourself that space to grow is so, so, so important. You have to sit and reflect on things. I love to write, um, but when I'm going through that turmoil, sometimes I get away from it. And again, right now in this moment, that is exactly what I'm going through. I am literally giving myself that space to just kind of reflect 
and let whatever is trying to change in my life change mm-hmm. um, because the more we hold on to these certain things or certain aspects that just don't serve us anymore the longer the process will be uh, when it when that growth is trying to happen so I think for me it just literally means being still sitting back and allowing things I won't say sitting back but just allowing things to happen and um, embracing the change and not being afraid of it and I think I'm such a straightforward wake up every morning at the same time go do this this like everything for me is typically just set and so to have those moments of change it's kind of like whoa what's going on like I'm not used to this but it's like you need to embrace those changes because it can be something better than what was just happening then that is no longer serving you so yeah I I Embrace it. That is all I can say. Give, make space for you to truly embrace that change there or that growth that's happening. Yeah, leave room for God to work. That's what I see. Absolutely. Yes. 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 <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. You know, and sharing your story. You know, I hope the listeners, you know, hear what you're saying. You know what I mean? You're actually hearing. Yeah. Allow the, themselves to, you know, give themselves room to grow. Um, and, and allow God to work in their lives. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, do you have any last words that you want to leave with the listeners? Just keep grinding. That's all I want to say. Keep grinding. Stay close to your support system. Stay close to the man upstairs. And even if you venture away from the man upstairs, from your support system, um, know that they're always there. And never forget that. Never be afraid to reach out to anyone or to someone that can help you in whatever situation um you just never know always network and just yeah just keep grinding man everything will always work out everything will always work out oh yeah keep grinding uh where can the listeners find you if they want to reach out about feedback about this episode or just to you know follow Mm -hmm. the movement and things that you have going on um so yeah i have three different platforms on instagram um one is just my regular page D underscore beautiful. I have my training page, which is prolific underscore D. And then I have my Coach Bay page, which is just Coach Bay. Um, and then the Bay is split up with periods in between the Bay. I'm also on Facebook as DD Lovable Williams. And those are the main two platforms um, that I'm on social media wise. Obviously, if you want to ever reach out, through email, uh, DorothyWilliams20188 at gmail.com is my email. But yeah, yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm here to answer any questions or try to give any advice. Again, I'm still going through life on my own. Um, I'm always willing to share my story or just share whatever I can to help somebody else um, get through theirs. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I truly appreciate Um, you all reaching out and actually doing this for people because, you know, not everybody has a safe space to share their story and kind of get it out there to people. So I thank you for reaching out and allowing me to share my story. This episode was brought to you by Overcome Achieve Clothing. Allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge. Wear your truth overcome.
they're chanting, trust the process. <laughs> trust the process. Trust the process. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.